I am so thankful that when we enter spiritual battles that we know from the beginning that we are victorious, not because of who we are, but because of who God is. We have so much to be thankful for that God has truly overcome the grave, that he's overcome death, that he conquered all of these things, and I'm thankful for that. You know, on this Memorial Day weekend, we remember and we give thanks for those who have given their lives so that we can experience freedom here in this country. We know that freedom is never, ever free, and we don't want to, we don't want to miss this opportunity to give thanks to God for those who have given their lives. The Bible says to give honor to whom honor is due, and this weekend we pause to, to honor them and to thank God for their sacrifice. And so we, it's an honor for us to do that this weekend. Speaking of freedom, over a hundred years ago, there was a battle at a place called Aqaba, which is a seaport on the Red Sea. It was happening during World War I. And Aqaba is an interesting place because it was a, a very fortified place that was seen as really unable to be conquered uh, because behind it was this massive, massive desert called the Anvil of the Sun. And, and in front of it was the sea. And so the only way really to get in there was to come by sea, but they had these massive naval guns that were mounted up above the city. So if any ships, any enemy ships would come in, uh, they, they would just be annihilated by these guns. So it was thought to be impenetrable. Well, they were wrong. T.E. Lawrence was a British officer who led a group of people on an eight-week journey through the wilderness. Can you imagine that? Eight weeks on camelback. I'm saying no thanks, right? That would not be for me. But they did it. They were, they were, they were so courageous uh, to go into the wilderness to do this. And so they surprised the, the Turks who were occupying Aqaba there. They surprised them when they came in. Now you'd say, okay, well, no problem. You've still got the big guns, right? You've still got an issue here. Well, not so fast because the big guns were permanently mounted pointing outward to the sea. So the, the Turks at Aqaba were completely defenseless, and they fell that day because they made two mistakes. Number one, they didn't know their enemy. They didn't know that their enemy had the capacity to come in from behind, to spend eight weeks in the desert because that's how committed they were to this battle. And the second thing that they didn't know or didn't have was they didn't have the right weapons. They didn't have the right weapons. They had powerful guns, but they were pointed the wrong way. And so while they had powerful weapons, they, they weren't effective in that battle. And you know, I think that this is true for us in spiritual battles. We got to know our enemy, and we've got to have the right armor on, okay? Because we, I strongly believe, that we are in a spiritual battle, that, that there are forces bigger than you and me that, that, that are real, and, and we need to have, know our enemy, and we need to have the right weapons. Paul warns us against making the same mistake that the people of Aqaba made in Ephesians chapter 6, where we are today. He says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. Therefore, Put on the full armor of God so that when the evil day comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. So we're wrapping up our series today on the book of Ephesians. And Paul, this is how Paul brings it home. 
There's all these different ways he could have concluded, but he goes right here and he says, look, here's the deal. You're in a battle. It's a real battle. And so you're going to need to have some spiritual armor on. Now, there's often some extremes that Christians get into when we talk about spiritual warfare. There are really kind of two. One would be to say, you know, that stuff about Satan and spiritual warfare and all that stuff, it's, it's not really accurate. It's just kind of a metaphor for the fact that you'll have challenges, you'll have problems, you'll have some bad days, you know, and, and that's what they're really talking about. It's kind of like the classic cartoon version, right, of like the angel on one side and the little devil on the other, right? Like, come on, Homer, you know you want the last donut. Like, oh, no, you need to stick to your diet, you know, and all this stuff. And we look at spiritual warfare like that. It's kind of like, like a joke, right? If you're of this position, though, you have a problem, and that problem is that Jesus doesn't agree with you. That should bother you, by the way, because Jesus was very, very much believed this. He referenced the devil nine different times in the Gospels alone. Uh, Jesus went mano e mano with Satan in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights uh, when he was being tempted by the devil. So he knows. He saw him firsthand, right? And Jesus would cast many demons out of people throughout his ministry. So Jesus did not see it as a joke. Jesus did not see it as a cartoon or entertainment or an illustration or something like that. No. But the other extreme is also dangerous. And this extreme is one that, that, that kind of finds a demon under every rock. You know what I mean? Like every time something bad happens, it must be a demon, you know, like I stub my toe and like, oh, the devil got me again, right? Or you lose your job at work and like, oh, Satan's attacking. Well, maybe, maybe, but if I show up late every day and I call the boss a jerk when I get mad, maybe it's kind of on me, you know? So there's a balance here that I believe that spiritual warfare is real, but, but I don't blame absolutely everything that happens in the world on the presence of spiritual warfare. So the thing is that if Satan is real, and I believe he is, the Bible tells us that Jesus has conquered sin, he has conquered death, that Satan was a, an angel who rebelled against God, Satan and a number of other angels, and ultimately were cast down from heaven uh, because of their, their, their rebellion against God. So Satan is a fallen angel, he's powerful, but he's less powerful than our God. Our God has defeated him. So when we enter these battles, we know that Jesus has overcome. We know that we can and will be victorious, but there's a certain way that we got to prepare ourselves it, because even though Jesus is victorious, we need his strength and his power. You don't fight spiritual battles with physical weapons, okay? We need to have spiritual armor that we are prepared to utilize. So if we're in a spiritual war, how do we fight? Verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Again, spiritual battles require spiritual weapons. You go to Great American Ballpark, Joey Votto steps up to the plate. He doesn't step up with an ice cream cone in his hand, you know? you got to have the right tool for the job. And he steps up with a baseball bat because that's what you need. And if we're going to fight a spiritual war, we, in a spiritual war, we're, we've got to have spiritual weapons. So for the people of Ephesus, how would Paul describe this? I mean, there's a lot of different ways, but he's going to use a metaphor that would be familiar to them. 
because they were a city in Rome. So thus there were lots of Roman soldiers around. Okay? You'd see lots of folks dressed like this dude here. And so this was a common thing that they would see. And he's going to use the armor of a typical Roman soldier to help us understand the spiritual armor that God has us to be wearing. Verse 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith from which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all the Lord's people. Okay, so he uses these various pieces of a Roman soldier's armor. So we're going to break them down real quick. We're going to move kind of quick because there's a bunch of them. But he talks about uh, the belt or, of truth, the belt of truth. The belt, uh, we got some pictures of these things. Kind of held everything together there. You'd have your sword on this, right? It provides some protection. Uh, the belt of truth is important there. And so what he uses the belt to illustrate is truth. And we've got to have truth. It's so central. It holds everything together in our lives. And this is an incredible contrast to our enemy, right? Because the Bible tells us that Satan is the father of lies. That's what Jesus said, that Satan is a liar. He's the father of lies. And here's the thing about a lie. For a lie to be effective, it only has to be believed, you know? A lie can be something completely false, but if you believe it, it's going to be effective as a weapon against you. For example, I'm from the state of Illinois, as many of you know, and let's just say that I told you that I've got this morning some insider NFL news from one of my contacts in Chicago with my beloved Bears, okay? And I heard that later today that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to announce a blockbuster trade. Would you believe it? They're going to announce that this dude right here, you know this guy? Have you seen him before? A couple of you have, okay? They're going to announce that Joe Burrow is going to be traded today to my beloved Chicago Bears for Andy Dalton, <laughs> wait for it, and two cheese conies. That's, now, now, now you're laughing, right? You're laughing because that's not a very believable lie, is it, right? Like, none, I, don't, I didn't see anybody whip out their phones or, like, start crying or start, you know, going into the fetal position or whatever you would do if that were true, right? Because you know it's not true. When a lie is believed, however, it's a dangerous thing. And Satan loves to lie to you. You've heard him before. You know what these lies sound like. Can God really forgive you? Really, you know, I mean, that's, that's for like the, the nicer sinners. But you, oh, I know what you did, right? It's not so forgivable for you. Or you'll never be good enough. You'll never be smart enough. It's what your mom and dad told you, and it's true. Or you're not as spiritual as some of those other people, so how's God going to use you? Did God really call you to that? Ah, no, that's, that's, that's a, it's all in your head. There's no way that you could do that. No. He's the father of lies. Maybe you've got some in your head right now. And maybe you've been believing them. I want to challenge you to something today. 
Real simple exercise, but it's powerful. What if you go home and take a piece of paper and just draw a line down the middle, okay? And on one side at the top, you write Satan's lies, okay? And the other type of side at the top, you write God's truth. And I want you to write down those things that Satan's been saying to you. Some of them maybe you've even been, you've been believing. To write them down. Let's just get them out there. Let's identify them. And then prayerfully, let's say, what does the Word of God say about these things? And maybe you need to take this and do this exercise with your life group or, or with your band, the smaller group, if you're in one of those. These are great exercises to do together. Or maybe you need to talk to another follower of Jesus who loves you. Or maybe you need to set an appointment. Come talk to me or one of us at church. We'd love to talk with you about this because we've got to get Satan's lies out of our mind and instead replace it with the truth. Because Jesus came so that we could know the truth and so that the truth can set us free. That's, that's the belt of truth right there. Next, the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness refers to holiness or living the way God calls us to live. And this is how important it is. Paul uses this as the piece that protects most of those vital organs, right? You, you get hit in the heart, you're hit in the lungs, you're not going to make it very long. And, and so you've got to have righteousness. The way that we live really matters. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to live lives that are righteous, live lives according to the way God is calling us to live, not just to do our own thing, not to give in to every temptation that we face. And maybe for some of us, we're, we're taking some shots in battle because we've kind of put righteousness on the back burner. And, and we've allowed the addiction to take over. And, and whatever it is for you, you know, maybe, maybe it's drugs or maybe it's alcohol, uh, maybe it's workaholism, maybe it's porn, maybe it's an addiction to something else, maybe it's pills, uh, maybe it's arrogance, maybe whatever it is. We, we've allowed that to kind of be the thing that we're wearing in, instead of that. And that's not going to protect you. When Satan's darts come flying at you, you got no protection because you're not living as God is calling you to live. Jesus died so that you can be free, so that you can be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to live that way anymore. You don't have to do that. Jesus gives us the power. There are these chains to be broken. And, and maybe he'll just, he'll just do a miracle and, and you'll be set free. Praise God. He does that. Or maybe he'll use AA or, or a friend or an accountability partner or a band member or whatever it may be. Maybe he'll use that. Whatever it is, it's real. Let that power work in your life. Give yourself to that today. Put on, put on the breastplate of righteousness because without it, we're in serious danger out there. Third, we wear the shoes of the gospel of peace. Now, soldiers, when they go into battle, I know, I know this may not look like our combat boots, but in those days, that was pretty substantial footwear because most people were going around barefoot. And imagine if you're trying to run away from some soldier and you're barefoot, stepping on every stone, and he's got those on. You're in big trouble. You know, they didn't go into battle in high heels, right? They go into battle with this stuff on. And he says that, that these shoes, it's like the gospel of peace. That when we share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with others, it, it's like God empowers that, that word. It goes out. It doesn't just stop with us. It goes out and it reaches people for Jesus and it changes lives and it builds God's kingdom. And so we want to have, have these shoes on, the gospel of peace. And that's what defines us as we share the good news. Fourth, we take up the shield of faith. Now, the shield for a Roman, this was a big deal. It was a heavy thing. It was like about four and a half feet, feet uh, tall, two feet wide. And it would often be covered in a leather that would be dipped in water. So when these fiery arrows were shot at them, they'd be extinguished by this shield. 
And so the shield was essential. A Roman soldier uh, could be killed very easily without it. But with that, he had a lot of protection. And, and in fact, sometimes in, in big battles, the soldiers would even put their shields together to protect themselves. Uh, this is how they would defend themselves. And it says that the shield is faith. It's faith. And our faith in God is what protects us. We know that it's not ourselves, it's not our own strength, it's not our own efforts. No, we have faith in God that God can and God will protect us. So when I enter battle, I'm not confident just in my own self. In fact, I may know that my own self is weak and failing and messed up, but I have faith in God. I have faith in God's power, that that's what's going to protect me, that that's what's going to keep me safe. I'm not trusting in my own power and my own strength. I'm taking up the shield of faith. The Bible tells us this, greater is he who is in you, that's Jesus, than he who's in the world, that's Satan. When you enter a spiritual battle, you don't have to be scared because you know that Jesus is with you and you can have faith in God that the one who conquered sin, who conquered death, who defeated the grave, that one, he's with you. And so you've got this shield with you that's going to help to protect you. And that leads us next to the helmet, the helmet of salvation. That we put this thing on, that our salvation, it, it protects our head, right? It protects our lives. Because if you're a concussion survivor, you know what I'm talking about. When you get knocked upside the head, you aren't good to fight in the battle anymore, right? You're vulnerable. You're, you, you can be killed this way. So we need a strong helmet. And we're not saved by our own merits, by our own efforts. The Bible says it's by grace we're saved through faith. And that's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. That's the shield that you put on. When you, I mean, sorry, that's the helmet that you put on. When you put on this helmet, this helmet of salvation, that God protects you. It protects your mind. It protects your head. It keeps you in the game even when things get really, really rough. It's the helmet of salvation. Next, we take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, interestingly, this is the only real offensive weapon in, in this, in, that we're talking about here today. And remember what Jesus did. When he was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, how did he fight against Satan? He quoted scripture. He's the son of God for crying out loud, right? He's got the power. He's got options. And what's the weapon that he chooses? The word of God. If Jesus needs to do this, then you and I certainly do. If Jesus needs to quote scripture, then you and I do as well. And it's so essential that we be regularly reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God. That's why we've got our daily reading plans. We've got the next one for the next series right out there at the Connection Center or out that door. Grab it on your way out. We invite you to read with us because when we read God's Word, it changes our lives. And, and, and this, is, this is our offensive weapon. When you stop reading the Word, it's like dropping your sword in a battle. You're just about surrendering. I mean, at this point, all you can do is just play defense the whole time. You've got to have the sword. You've got to read God's word. Uh, do a reading plan. Uh, daily devotion. Spend some time. Even if, it's, even if you're doing nothing, start with one chapter a day. If you can't do that, start with one verse a day. Do something and ask that God would speak to you through that. And I believe that he will. Come talk to me or one of us on staff. We'd love to talk with you more about how you can get deeper into God's word. We need it. And finally, but not least important, we need to pray. Verse 18, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all 
the Lord's people. I believe in the power of prayer. We have a, an awesome prayer team here at our church. You send in a prayer request. It goes out on this list. And, and you got over 100 people drop into their knees to pray for that. We pray for all sorts of things. And, you know, we get lots of medical ones, and that's great. We want to pray for those things. God cares. God heals. We believe that. But it's for more than just that. Maybe you're in a spiritual battle in your life. Maybe you're in a struggle in your family. Maybe there's a struggle at your work. Let us know. We want to pray for you. We want to lift that up because I believe in the power of prayer. That, that prayer is, it undergirds us in every aspect of this, this spiritual battle. Again, you're fighting a spiritual battle. You need spiritual weapons. Because a spiritual life, it's not a vacation, okay? It's a war. It's a battle. That's why Paul tells us that we need armor. This is what we're preparing ourselves for. So, so when we set out and we go to work in the morning, I'm not just going to work, I'm going into a spiritual war. When you go to school, I'm not just going to school, I'm going into spiritual war. So I want to put that armor on. Jesus, I want to be ready in your power, your strength to move forward here. I need the Holy Spirit to strengthen me so that I'll be ready for whatever Satan's shooting at me that day. And so that I'll be able to be the person that God is calling me to be that day. When you're wearing the armor of God, you stand strong. Prayer is so essential because prayer is how we communicate with our commander. You know, if you're in battle, you've got to be able to talk to the commander. You've got to know what's coming. You've got to know what you're expected to do. That's why it's so essential to spend time daily with God. It's one of our six habits. We spend time daily with God because we need to be in touch with the commander, knowing what he's calling us to do. And just as it says, you're, you're not prepared to fight spiritual battles if you're relying on your own strength. Don't fight spiritual battles with human weapons. We need God's strength and God's power. Verse 13, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the evil day comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm them. There are three times in just a few verses he says to stand. And friends, this is so central. In the spiritual life, you're going to be tempted to back down. You're going to be tempted to sit out. When tough times come, you're going to be tempted to, to say, oh, I can't do this, I'm not strong enough, I can't, whatever, and you're going to want to sit back. Don't. In fact, I love this image of, of the Roman soldiers here with their shields. This is what they would do when they were under attack. They would take these shields and they would come together. When, when the fiery darts were coming in, coming in something fierce, they'd get together and these shields would be side by side by side. What a beautiful image of the church. This is us right there. That when the enemy's attacking, when he's coming, and he will, that we've got to be united, that we've got to be together, that we've got to get those shields up and we've got to be prepared. And when we do, when we stand firm, look out. Look out and see what God is going to do. Because he can and he will act. Don't you remember at the edge of the Red Sea, they were standing there and Pharaoh's coming behind them and they thought they were going to die. And the Lord tells them to stand firm and to watch what the Lord is going to do. And he fought for them. He fought their battles. They thought they were surrounded, but no, he was fighting for them. Don't you remember Daniel at the lion's den? He's thrown in there. People thought he was done and God didn't abandon him. No, he stood firm and God was with him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into a fiery furnace, but it wasn't just the three of them. A fourth one came in the fire with them, right? Jesus was right there with them in the midst of that. 
because we may feel that, that we're surrounded by evil, but in reality, God is right there. Don't you remember Stephen in the New Testament when, when he's being tried and ultimately being killed to be the first martyr and stones are flying at him, but the heavens open and he looks up and he sees and there's Jesus right there with him. You are never alone. You are never abandoned. You are never forsaken. And some of you, you're in the heat of battle right now and you're ready to sit down. Don't. Stand up and fight. Put on your armor because our God loves you. He cares about you. He's here for you. He wants to give himself for you and to you. This is who we are. This is how we fight. And you know, we don't just do this for ourselves. We do this because there's a world around us that needs a strong church out there because there's those who need us to stand united so that they can be protected by these, from these attacks of Satan. So church, I want you to stand, like literally stand up right now because this is who we are called to be. We are called to stand united. We are called to stand firm. We're called to stand for our children. We're called to stand for our teens. We're called to stand for our seniors. We're called to stand for the poor. We're called to stand for the oppressed. We're called to stand against oppression and hatred and racism. We're called to stand for the unborn. We're called to stand against injustice. And we're gonna stand because he's fighting for us and he's fighting with us. This is how we fight, church. This is how we fight.